Welcome back. We are the 12-sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Joff. That's me. Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as the proud papa of this campaign. Daddy. (laughs) So it's been nine months since our podcast came into this world. Yeah, it seems like only yesterday. And it's just, it's just growing up so fast. You know, you, our listeners are here and, and that's great. But sometimes, do you ever get the feeling that, I don't know, maybe there's somebody missing? No, 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 not a baby. That's ridiculous. No, I mean, maybe your family and friends. Let them know about this podcast. That way they can experience this little bundle of joy we call the 12-Sided Guys and enjoy it as much as you do. And if you want more 12-Sided Guys content, you can always become a patron at patreon.com slash 12-Sided Guys. That's one, two-sided guys. You know, for the maps, wiki, character sheets, bonus episodes, and whatnot. Anyway, if you ever accidentally destroyed the magic school you were attending on a dare, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 42. Does anybody know what game that is? No, what, what? no. not a clue. Harry Potter, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little familiar. It sounds familiar. Matt, you got this. You got this. Any other hints about it? Um, We've talked about it once before. Come on, Schwartz. Come on, Schwartz. I spat out my drink when you said, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Just say a random game, Matt. You'll get it. Just say a random game. Just a random game we played back in the day. <sighs> I, jeez. Oh, uh, uh, Dragon Warrior Four. No. Paladin's Quest. That's how the game started. You were at a magic school, and then you, on a dare, go up to the top of this tower, and you activate some machine, and it destroys your school. That's right. Actually, I did beat that game. There were bunny people, and there were other people who had like hang glider wings. Yep, it was a crazy game. <laughs> it was a bizarre game. <laughs> Sounds yes, very I tried weird. to play it again a few years ago and um, yeah. Unplayable? Uh, I don't have the patience anymore. Sometimes games don't age like wine. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back to Summer Home, the summer home of the Stormfist clan high up in the glass mountains at the end of this valley, surrounded by cliffs and mountains. There is a stone wall. You have recently come over the wall, met Nari's father, met the kind of the chief of the Stormfist clan, and even met shortly the um, kind of the diviner, the tattooist who kind of divines the future through her tattoos. And um, noticed some signs of celebration going on. And the last thing you guys found out was that apparently... Nari, your younger brother, Hazar, is a prophesied hero because he, quote, broke a band. And um, Pine was wandering around looking for some whiskey and stumbled across a deacon. And that's where we left off. Here we are. What are you guys going to do? Where do you want to start, Paul? (laughs) Who do you want to start with? We got to start with Pine finding his whiskey, obviously. (laughs) 
Yeah, Pine says, that's very interesting. And then puts the furs back on the deacon and then wanders off to find whiskey. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. As soon as he sees this um, Ormek, because it's probably, I mean, it said it looks really old. Yeah. So it's probably never been called a deacon before. Uh, he's going to look around. Is there anybody near there or is it just kind of like a pile of like loot? As you were kind of looking there, it's like a pile of loot. You see that there is this um, this this Ormek, this or deacon. You see other scraps of metal that look like they might be like like um, pieces of, you know, for lack of a better word, machinery like uh, plates or like um, like hinges. But they're all kind of scraps and um, kind of clutter. Definitely this um, this Ormek is the most intact thing here. Okay. So I'm going to look around. Is there anybody nearby? And there are people sitting, yeah, relatively close by, but they're not paying attention to you. They're just drinking and eating. Okay, I'm going to um, go up and just tap uh, tap the closest person to me on the shoulder. Yeah, he turns around and he's got kind of a smile on his face. Uh, it looks like his cheeks are a little rosy. Maybe he's been in his drinks a little bit. And he says something in Australian you don't understand. Baharadababa to you too. <laughs> that way <laughs> so i have never pretended to be the dm who can make up fake languages that is not my strong suit so i usually don't even try and now you see why i don't even try <laughs> baharadar baharadar <laughs> so pine pine will say abla almerian parlez-vous menore uh almerian yes <laughs> Thank you. That, um, this, this pile of goods over here, is this yours? He looks over what you're talking about, and he goes, no, no, cave. And he kind of points north, roughly north. Is it okay if, I mean, it's not yours, but is it okay if I look at this, um, this metal man? He looks over what you're talking about, and he just kind of shrugs, and then turns around and starts drinking again. Uh, I'm assuming it's very heavy. <laughs> Because Ebby is very heavy, um, and it's not the, all the food that Ebby eats. Rude, rude. <laughs> so I'm going to go over and like just start uh, looking, like just looking it over. I don't know if you want to do like an investigation check or something, kind of see. That's exactly what I want to do. You say it's very intact, but I want to see like are all of its parts there? Are there like any loose plates? Does it look like like does it look like? If we could get it up and running, that it would actually be able to like stand or or communicate, or does it look like it's junked? Why don't you make an investigation check? Okay, plus zero. That's a six. Um, it. I mean, it looks like um, it looks in rougher shape than Ebby. Um, the there is like some rust. It looks like um, one arm is missing from the elbow down. Other than that, it looks pretty much intact. Okay. Well, then with that kind of I'll I'll uh, rush back over to Ebby. Ebby, what are you doing right now? Because you don't understand what's going on in here any better than Pine does. No, like <laughs> everything just seems to be going really well. <laughs> if, Ebby, if Ebby could be smiling, that's what he'd be doing. He'd be sitting there and like nodding at people and smiling, being like, hello. <laughs> he has no idea how to behave in this type of a setting at this point but i think he he thinks that yeah like pine everything seems to be great right now these people are so nice and friendly so yeah he's just kind of sitting there pine comes rushing up ebby ebby 
Ebby, 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 Ebby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hello, Pine. Have you gotten into the whiskey already? They didn't have any. <laughs> Why do you think I'm back here in such a hurry? You're strangely cheery for not having any whiskey in you. Ebby, there's, a, there's an Ormek over here in a pile of, of furs and other things. What? <laughs> that's, that's what I said. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, Gabby, come with me. Come with me. Come with me. Let's see. Um, you said that you you felt like you may be able to turn a switch. This one looks to be in very rough shape, but I'm wondering if there's anything you could do for it. Well, let's give it a shot for sure. And everybody, I asked about it and they just shrugged. So I think we can kind of play with it. Ebby, why don't you make an investigation check as you're looking at this Ormek as well? Absolutely. Uh, I rolled a 13 for investigation. As you're looking, you notice the same things that, that um, Pine noticed. However, you notice one thing that's missing that you have. There is no serial number um, kind of acid etched into the, um, the chest piece. Um, and uh, the other thing you notice is that um, where your eyes are kind of, they have a kind of a green glow to them. These eyes are dark and lifeless. And as you recall, I think we've talked about this a long time ago. I don't know if we brought it up again. The deacons in um, like in Arkelvia and in Tabory, their eyes had kind of a reddish glow to them. Whereas, Ebby, your eyes have a greenish glow to them. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's right. OK, just want to make sure we, we pointed that out again. Uh, these eyes are black. These are dark, no light whatsoever. So, so what do you think? Do we, we, do we bonk it with the crystal shield? Um, well, I mean, I'd have to probably, you know, try and infuse it with some sort of power or energy. Did we, when we inspected it, Paul, did you see, did we see any like signs of damage, like an axe or a hammer or anything like that had smashed it to pieces or anything? So as you're looking with your 13 investigation, you see that the elbow, uh, like the, the left arm, I think I said left arm is missing at the elbow. That's about it. As far as damage, it's hard to say because there's like rust and there's like tons of tarnish and things all, all over it. Got it. It looks like um, it's it's definitely it's intact, but it's it has not been preserved. Like you would remember, Ebby, in your session zero, when you saw the other deacons in their big pile of like abandoned deacons, um, those were in better shape than this one is. Got it. I was just more so worried on if it showed signs of having been in combat recently. Oh, yeah. No, no, no signs of that. You're talking like okay. if if like the Stormfist ended up knocking it out or something. <laughs> yeah. If they had like clubbed it and hacked it to pieces and then dragged it into their building. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. OK. Um, Perhaps we can inquire how and where they got it. And maybe I can try to work on it a little bit and see see if there's any life or energy still left in it looking through my things the only things that i have that i think might help are obviously the the key the crystal key maybe we could look through the crystal codex to find any information about activating a damaged ormec and then i have the crystal bomb detonator which probably not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe 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 not that one you know you can put that one aside for now no, I, I don't recall anything explicitly from the Crystal Codex that mentioned how to reactivate it. Ebby, make an insight check. Okay. Got a 12 on the insight roll. 
as uh, as uh, Pine mentions the detonator and you guys say, yeah, maybe not a good idea. You do get this little kind of a, a memory way back to session zero of being plugged in with um, remember like some kind of conduit. Right. And the detonator does have some kind of conduit there. So, oh, OK, that's a, that's that's a little memory that you have. You know, the the one thing that does kind of come to my mind is when I initially woke up, there was some sort of a connection, like a cable or a conduit that connected me to a large array of crystals. It might be possible that this or Makir might be able to be kind of rehabilitated or, or reinvigorated if we had kind of a conduit or kind of crystalline energy that we could tap into. I don't have any other crystals on me besides the crystal shield. I wonder if we could make use of the detonator after all. As you guys are having this conversation, trying to figure out what to do with this crystal, Nara, you are sitting there around the fire with your dad, and he is kind of, um, I don't know what you guys are specifically talking about, but you get the impression that your brother, uh, Tazar, um, is some sort of prophesied hero, and um, that going to talk to either Maeve, who is the tattoo artist, or talking to Savar, who is the kind of the chief who's here in this room, they would be able to answer your questions better. Joff, what are you doing? Joff is just finishing telling the story of how he met Nari and their fight against the gobloids. And uh, as you're <laughs> um, you know, transitioning to us, Joff says, and then with, with <clears throat> the last of her strength, she buried her axe into the neck of the last gobloid. Named Gob. Named Gob. <laughs> you know what? Gob. And he cried out, what about Gob? <laughs> yes. He may have been saying, what about Gob? I was the only one that could translate. Awesome. Are you telling that to just the people around? Or are you telling that to her dad? Uh, to her dad. Okay. He, um, he smiles. You see his smile getting bigger and bigger, and he keeps nodding, and he's like, yes, that does not surprise me. And then, Joff, as you sit down after telling that story, or as you kind of like lean back, you feel a little tap on your shoulder and you hear a voice in your ear and it says, don't react, but I need to speak with you. Okay. Uh, what, what language were they speaking in? Almerian. Jeff will just nod his head slightly. And you hear the voice say again, make your way outside. Jeff will stand up and, and uh, tap Nari on the shoulder and say, I need to go relieve myself. I'll be back in a moment. Okay, good luck with that. Thanks. Okay. As you um, head back out of the tower, Pine and Ebby, what's going on now with this this Ormek? Have you rigged it to explode? I feel like I feel like we're the two kids who like are trying to keep a dog hidden from the rest of the family. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Oh, that is perfect. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I imagine like we're trying not to draw too much attention to ourselves, but at the same time, we're fiddling with this thing and seeing if there's any orifice we can plug the conduit into. Oh, you actually you find a you find a hole in the back of the skull. Same place where yours was uh, plugged, where you were plugged into back in session zero. Oh, nice. You see this orifice here in the back of its head? Yes. I mean, we could. There's a chance that if we if we plug it in. That it might invigorate or might, you know, kind of 
bring to life this this thing and it would be glorious i like to think of it as the glory hole (laughs) (laughs) you can we can cut all that we don't have to keep that in there no we can't no we can't cut that out we can't cut that out no we can't we literally can't remember we have a rule if you say cut that out we don't cut it out unless it's absolutely terrible Okay, so my question is, this detonator, this detonator I mean, obviously it, it did something, would, um, I don't know how crystal tech works, you know this, you know this, I'm old, um, but this detonator, does it need to draw power from another place, or is the power in the detonator itself? Would this give power to the Ormec, or would we need to find some other kind of, like, crystal, like, to, like, siphon it through into... I don't know how this works. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, my guess is that we would need a crystal that we could, you know, kind of have energy be channeled from and into the into the Ormac. Did you already plug it in? Yeah, I, I say that I say all that while I'm <laughs> shoving the cord into the back of its head. <laughs> As you shove the cord, you're having this conversation. The first thing you realize is there's no other cord. There's no other way to connect a crystal. The second thing that you realize is that as you plug it in, there is a pop. Oh, we made a bomb. <laughs> and a thrum of energy. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you see this Ormex eyes start to glow red. And there is an Ormac that is laying there on the ground and you see its facial expression doesn't really change, but you get the impression of it kind of looking around. Uh, Confused is the wrong word. Um, Just kind of. Ignorant of everything. This is this is the part of the story where the kids have to come clean to the adults and ask for help. And then there's a teaching moment and the music gets nice and soft and gentle. (laughs) And knowing is half the battle. (laughs) <laughs> the Ormac actually puts its hands down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, only only one hand though, right? Because it's missing one hand. Right. It puts its hand down and it, it helps itself up and it stands up in the corner. At this point, Joff, you have now walked outside. You can hear this voice in your ear saying, yes, this way. Just a little bit further. Yes, here behind this house. My hand is on the hilt of my scimitar as I'm walking. Okay. You hear a voice say, no need for that. Why don't you make an insight check? I rolled an 11, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if uh, Squire can't help me out real quick. 13. Something about this voice is familiar, but you can't quite place it. Well, I'll follow it. I'll go around back behind the house. Oh, um, your passive perception is is enough to notice that you can hear crunching of snow next to you as you're walking, and you can actually see footprints being left in the snow walking next to you. Okay. Not behind you, but next to you. You are invisible then. Yes, I'm I'm invisible. Here, just a second. You stand there for a second, and then... There is a quick little pop, and then standing in front of you, bundled up against the cold, is a man that you have not seen since the basement 
of Mayor Joyce's home. <laughs> the man you know as Magister Colbury, standing in the snow, looking at you, looking quite cold. But he looks at you and he says, I not expect to see the four of you here. More like Coldbury. <laughs> that was great tell your friends about this podcast <laughs> it is gold these kind of jewels all over the place you're welcome joff will um lean against the wall and say i didn't expect to see you here either what are you doing up in the mountains so far away from civilization he says Last time I spoke with you, I told you I had other strings to pull. I'm, I'm trying to pull some of those strings, but... And he looks over at the cave with the wall, the, the, the gate. Because the cave now, just to recap for people from our last episode, we talked about the cave here in Summer Home on the north end of this valley. And how it, is, it has a gate in front of it and it is guarded. And um, Coldbury looks up at the, at the cave entrance And he says, I can't get in to pull the strings that I need to. It's blocked off to me. What are you looking for in there? Answers? What are you looking for in there? (laughs) I think we're going to go and look for Nari's brother. Oh, is he? Is he the one that? Is he their hero? I think so. But I don't know. The way they talked about the prophecy, it sounded like Nari might fit the bill too. How so? Because they had a whole competition for days of trying to break these leather straps around their arms. They all, all the, all the warriors put these straps around their arms and they'd walk around all day flexing their arms until finally one of them broke and no one expected it to be Tazar. I mean, let's be honest, the weakest of them up here. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know the gentleman myself, but perhaps I was mistaken when, when I Heard them talking about the prophecy. I thought they were talking about bands breaking, like the bands of a tattoo. Not not leather cords. Well, a leather band, right? That's what they were doing. They were walking around trying to break a leather band with just their muscle, just their strength. And then the, finally the one who did was the prophesied hero. That's interesting. So what, what do you want from me? And why single me out? Everybody else seemed very distracted by things. You seem to be in control of the situation. I think you were the easiest to pull away. <laughs> control? I feel like I'm just along for, for the ride on this one. I need to get into that cave, and it sounds like you do too. Maybe we can help each other. I lost all, I lost all of my assistance on my way up here. In fact... As I saw you guys enter, I'm pretty sure I saw one of my hired hands strapped across the back of one of your mounts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We might have a story to tell and a, and a corpse to bury later once the ground is a little bit warmer. Yes, that was a, a harrowing, a harrowing adventure there. I'll have to talk to my friends. I can't make a decision. <clears throat> I'll have to talk to the others. I can't make a decision without, uh, without consulting them. But we are going in there, and if you're able to turn invisible and walk along next to us, 
and I, I wouldn't be able to stop you. I, I appreciate, I appreciate it. Thank you. I have to keep a, a low profile here because I'm not welcome. No one's welcome. I'm surprised they let you in. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that was Nari sweet talking her way back into the good graces of her clan. Well, I'll keep an eye out. When, when it looks like you're ready to go in, I will, I'll make sure to be close by. Okay, I'll tell the others. And I'm sure that in exchange for our help, they would like some answers to their questions that we had before. I'll answer what I can. We can work together better. He casts a spell and he turns invisible again. And he says, I think trust on both sides is needed. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go and let them know. I like to think that right as, right as uh, Joff was correcting himself about calling us friends, Pine and, and, uh, and Abby were in there having a conversation. You know, I just love that Joff. He's such a great friend, right? <laughs> oh, tell me about it. I think about Joff all the time. <laughs> uh, actually, I was thinking that's right about the time that Pine's ears kind of lay back on the back of his head as he kind of cowers down in front of this deacon like, oh, crap, what did we do? <laughs> We have to tell mom and dad now. <laughs> okay, so Sabrina, Nari is sitting there with her dad. You guys are talking, kind of catching up a little bit. Um, is there anything specific before everybody notices this Ormek? Is there anything specific that um, Nari would like to talk with her dad about? I mean, I think with all this talk of uh, Tazar, she would want to ask about her older brother, Tikris, and ask where he is. Well, Tikris did not take it well when he was shown up by Tazar. I mean, you know Tikris. He's he's bold. He's brash. He's a leader. He's, I mean, in all honesty, he's he's hero material. And when he was not the one to break the band, he he did not take it well. Um, he is he's hunting in the east at the at the hunting grounds. And Nari, you would know that the hunting grounds. So right now, if you're in this little valley um, here at the end of the valley, there is a smaller um, kind of a path that heads off to the east and it opens up after a couple of a couple hours of, of hiking uh, along this trail. It opens up into this kind of narrow valley, um, like maybe like 100 feet wide and like 500 feet long is all before it ends. And um, the Stormfists call this the hunting grounds. And it's kind of this this weird, unique place where if you go there, um, and you hang out there for a while, um, at some point, something will show up. It might be a deer. It might be a wolf. It might be an ursine. It might be um, all manner of things. It's kind of this place that the Stormfists have been using, not only for hunting, but also as kind of like a testing grounds to um, test strength. They've been doing it for generations. And so it sounds like uh, Tikris, who has um, does not like the fact that he did not fulfill this prophecy himself he is there at the hunting at the at the hunting grounds either um trying to prove his strength or um just trying to have some some time alone but he is off there uh just a couple hours to the east and everyone else you you plan on keeping everyone up here in the mountains during the winter that's part of the prophecy we we can't let anyone else into the cave there's, um, Maeve can, 
Maeve can show it more clearly. Why don't we talk with Maeve? He looks around to see if Maeve is still here in the tower. Um, and he spots her and he kind of waves her over. Um, she starts hobbling over towards you just as a an Ormac stands up over in the corner and Pine and Ebby are kind of like, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> <laughs> this um, this Ormac is now standing up next to Ebby and Pine. It raises up its stub of, a, of an arm and puts it back down. In Allele, uh, Ebby, you understand it say, waiting for command. And then in Almerian, it repeats it, waiting for command. Ebby is going to quickly kind of reach out and grab its its hand. Okay. And like its arm. And in Allele is going to respond and say, hold on there, brother or sister. We'll, we'll release you from this. We'll get you awake. And you feel that connection that you can see energy coursing again through this, the body of this Ormek. And you see this section in the chest, this um, crystalline matrix that um, houses consciousness. We talked about this before and that there is no power going there. And you sense that switch. And you sense that this is the time you can flip that switch. If you want to try. Um, seems risky to do it right in the middle of this whole crowd. Do it, do it, do it. But uh, we're totally going to do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. OK. I'm here for you, Abby. Mechanically, you have plus three to whatever <laughs> check you're making. <laughs> OK, so here we go. You are going to attempt to flip the switch. I need you to make a wisdom save. Okie dokie. With advantage, right? You said with advantage now? With advantage and the plus three from having Pine standing right next to you. Okay. Let me go ahead and cue that up. Uh, 29. <laughs> 29? I didn't, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So for I'm so wise, guys. <laughs> I'm a wise guy. Hi-o. So for all of that, like dread that you were feeling. And that kind of that dread that I was trying to build up amongst our listeners. Yeah, the threshold for negative effects starts at 24 and lower. Whoa. And so you blew that out of the water. As you, you know, you feel like your consciousness reach deep into this Ormek and make that little connection, connecting that pulsing energy through this whole body. Just connect that one little wire, flip that little switch, whatever it is to get power coursing into the crystalline matrix. You hear, everyone here hears this pop. And then the eyes go black again. And they slowly start to glow green. And you hear a voice in allele say, where, where am I? What's happened? And then it, it looks down at its arm that's missing and says, my, my arm, what happened? And it goes to take a step and it is so decrepit and deteriorated from the conditions it was under that it crumples. Its leg can't hold it up as it tries to step 
and it falls into a heap. And you hear it saying, what? Where? Where? How? In Allele, Ebby is going to kind of crouch down and, and get close and try to comfort it and support it. And will basically say, it's good to have you awake again. Um, my name is Ebby, and I'm actually going to kind of pull the wrappings and, and cowl and everything that he's had on his on his head. Go ahead and pull that all off and kind of show that he's also an Ormac. When the Ormac stood up, everyone kind of turned to start looking at what in the world was going on in the mm-hmm. corner. I want to let you know that before you do anything else. And Nari is ready to defend Ebby if needed. I was going to say, it feels like Ebby is so focused on the fact that he's actually going to get to interact with one of his own kind that's been also awakened that he doesn't even care that it's like right in the middle of a crowded room and is just going to be like, it's okay. Don't panic. You're not alone anymore. Neither of us is alone anymore. The voice says, I didn't. I was alone. I was kind of shakes its head. I was asleep. You were asleep. And for a very, very long time. This Ormac looks around the room and is, where, where am I? What? You're located in a, in a village or town high up in an area of the world known as the Glass Mountains. The town is known as Summer Home. It's winter time out there, or winter is quickly approaching. There's snow. Pine is looking around the room, giving everybody a thumbs up. <laughs> this is all going really well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't I didn't mean to take that from you. <laughs> that, no, that's exactly what he was going to say. <laughs> I'm just picturing it. Two thumbs up, big cheesy grin, looking around like, hey, it's okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are so many conversations going on that Pine just cannot understand. <laughs> <laughs> this... Ormek is sitting, sitting there, uh, kind of gets into a seated position from this crumpled position. You can tell it's very weak. And the Ormek says, I am Hermine. Hermine is my name. Hermine, it is an, an honor to meet you. And as you are speaking, you get the impression that this is a, a female. And she says, everything is so, so foggy. And she looks at her arm. She goes, and, and pain. I, I hurt. I hurt all over. Well, perhaps I can help you with that. And uh, Ebby's going to try and just use it. Just a level one Erdos's word. Okay. To try to heal her if it's even possible. So. As you cast Erdos's word um, on Hermine, you guys don't breathe, but you have this natural movement as you're talking and as you're you know, performing tasks. If you want to sit still, you can sit very, very still. But you sense the movements become a little bit more, her movements ease a bit. She doesn't seem to be as racked with torment and pain. And as you're watching, you actually see some of the some of the rust and some of the grit and stuff that's been caked on her body actually just kind of flake away. And underneath it, you see 
clean, clear copper and brass casings and metal. And um, you get the impression that she will heal just like Ebby heals and just like any living creature heals. Her body just happens to be metal instead of organic. Yes, after sleeping for 12 hours, like every person's body heals, right? <laughs> Completely and fully. Exactly. <laughs> Not a scratch. <laughs> I got stabbed in the back with this sword. We'll pull it out and go get a good night's sleep. You'll be fine in the morning. <laughs> yes. At this point, Joff comes walking back into the tower and sees um, apparently some shenanigans were going on while you were away. <laughs> oh, man. What's Nari doing before... Uh, Jeff decides what to do. I mean, I think Nari was still left at the table with her dad, right? Yeah, I think everyone was pretty much watching this robot get up and move yeah. around. So I, are you watching? Are you trying to talk to anybody? Or Well, I was, I think at that point, I was, like I said, prepared to defend Ebby and Pine if they needed it. So I think that's kind of where my focus was. It seems like everybody is just kind of watching in awe is the wrong word. I think in, um, Extreme interest is the correct word. They're everyone's very interested in what's going on, but no one's going, oh my goodness, can you believe it? Actually, make an insight check, Joff and Nari, as you guys are kind of watching other people react to this situation. Joff got a 25. Oh my gosh. Nari got a 14. Nari, they're not reacting the way you expected them to. Joff, they are reacting as if this is not necessarily a surprise. Maybe that's the wrong word. They're not terribly surprised at this turn of events, though. Joff is going to walk past Nari and say, we need to chat when we get a sec, and he'll head over towards Mr. Pine and Ebby. Yeah, Nari will get up and follow. Like, absolutely. I, as, as I see all the people looking at me, and, and, and to Ebby, Pine will say, Moshe's or a breath does take. Ebby's going to kind of look at Pine and then turn back to Hermine and kind of talk to her a little bit and just, you know, try to reassure her. Um, but then over his shoulder, uh, Ebby's going to kind of yell to, to Nari and say, can you find out where they found her? Were there any others? Was she alone? Nari will look to see if she can find either Maeve or the clan leader. And yeah, see if she can like kind of ask questions. Yeah. Um, as you look around, you see Maeve is kind of sitting in a corner with um, her um, her living canvas. Um, and his name again was. It's another Angus. <laughs> that was a callback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it starts with a G, I think. His name is Garam. G-A-R-I-M. They are sitting kind of off in the corner watching this um, this event unfold. Um, and you see um, Savar is sitting on her chair across the fire from you. And she is actually, there's a, another, like a, a warrior standing there uh, next to her. And um, Savar is talking to this, um, this uh, female warrior who has her axe in her hands, saying something to her in her ear. Yes, I would go up to Savar, just sort of ask, that metal man um, over there, where did you find him? She looks at you, Nari, and she says, the one that we found was in the cave. Where did you find yours? 
I, I found mine in Arklavi. Uh Did you know that they, they turn on and move and, and walk? She glances back over at, at Hermine and, um, and Ebby and Pine and she says, not this one, but there's others, different, but others in the cave. We can't trust this. What, what have you been doing with them in the cave? Defending ourselves. Oh, they attack. They attack as soon as they see you. And she's looking back over at Hermine. She says, this one hasn't attacked yet. But we better be on our guard. What are they protecting? Savar motions over to Maeve and says, Maeve has prophesied glory and honor and prestige to the Stormfist clan. And it's in that cave. We now just listen to prophecies over everything else. I mean, I would hope that there's a bit more solid evidence than just Maeve's wisdom. When you say that first line about now we just listen to prophecies, Savara is nodding up and down. Yes, yes, we do. When the divines speak to us, we listen. If we don't listen, we are doomed. You know that. All Stormfists know that. I guess I do. All right, well, can you tell me a little bit more about this prophecy? Um, is there a way I could maybe get a transcript of some sort? <laughs> um, as, uh, as you ask that, she waves you off and she says, talk to Maeve. Her eyes are on, um, are on her mean. And this uh, warrior standing next to her is, um, has, like I said, has her axe in her hands. Um, I think probably ready to go in and deliver a killing blow should Hermine try anything aggressive. Pine and Ebby. And Joff, you're up there now too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joff is going to activate his Mikasa scarf so that he can understand the robots. Gotcha. Pine is going to, Pine is going to say, I, I heard you speak Almerian earlier. Do you, do you know the language? Yes, I do. Huh. And she's like, do she if she had a tongue you could you would almost feel like she's like like has a a weird taste in her mouth she kind of like clacks her mouth open a little bit like kind of like a type of a thing um but it doesn't sound the same because she has no tongue and her mouth is metal but that's the impression that you get like the language almerian sounds feels odd in her mouth there will be a lot of knowledge which may come rushing back to you uh tell me hermine uh, and this, I'm I'm speaking this in Almerian, so that way the others can understand me too. Okay, Hermine, do you remember much from the past? You recalled your name, but do you, do you recall who you are before and and kind of what your purpose was? She looks at her hand, and then she kind of her other arm kind of comes up, and if she had the rest of her arm, she'd be looking at both hands. But she's kind of looking down at her hands and she says, I remember. And then she kind of holds her right hand like she's holding like almost like a pen or something. She says, I remember. A sharp blade. Yes. A sharp blade. And she kind of looks down in front of her and she says, I remember. Crystals. And I remember. Blood. I remember blood. Do you know, were there others there? Do you remember an Arnium Celadar? 
uh, when you say Arnim Seladar, her she kind of like shakes her head a little bit. She's like, "Yes, yes, I remember the name Arnim Seladar. Yes, that name, an important name." Did you have any interactions with him? I'm sorry, you're you're just waking up. You're probably, you know, not in a frame of mind to be able to answer so many questions, but I've been alone for so long and there's so much I need to know. She kind of shakes her head. She's like, no, I, it's all so foggy still. It's all, it's all so foggy. It's all so muddled. I think, I hope it will come back. I think I need time. Yes. Time. And she looks at her hand again, the one that was holding like a, almost like a pencil. She says, surgeon. Yes. Yes. I was a surgeon. A surgeon? I, I would help people heal by cutting them open and fixing the parts that were broken. As an Ormac, you were a surgeon. That was your function? She kind of like moves her hand. She's like, no, no, this is new. I was a surgeon before. She's kind of, she looks kind of like lost in looking at her hand. Nari will kind of come down to Ebby and sort of kind of nudge him and try to get his attention when he has a minute. Yeah, Ebby will kind of reluctantly kind of turn away from her and, and turn to Nari. Uh, it, it sounds like there's more of these Oromex in the cave. They're fighting against what the clan. We have to go to them right away. We have to stop this fighting. Perhaps if I could speak with them. Real quick, real quick. She did say that they were different. She said, not like this, that they were different. But there are other metal things down there. Not necessarily Ormex. I just want to make sure that's straight. Oh, okay. There are there are creatures uh, similar in shape to these these Ormex um, that are in the cave. I think that those should be investigated. More Ormex, then. Well, if they're the if they're my people, we need to go to them right away. I'm not sure. She said they were different. You know, I we can kind of see like I could go over and ask her why they were different, I guess. Perhaps it's just the fact that they were not fully awakened. Maybe they're just in like a sentry mode where they're trying to protect or or fulfill kind of a base function. There may be a way that we can awaken them. I, I still think I need to go see them as quickly as possible. For sure, but we should definitely proceed with caution. They might not recognize you as a as a friend. Ah, caution be damned. We should go now. As soon as Ebby set up to have that conversation with uh, Nari, Pine would have kind of stepped in and 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 said, Ermine, was it? It is a genuine pleasure to meet you. My name is Pine. I'm one of Ebby's oldest friends. And he'll just kind of have tried to have a comforting conversation with her gentle and I know it's trying to trying to keep her calm trying to make her feel more comfortable in this very strange setting right so not so much like trying to pry answers out of her or anything like that you're just you're just having a a gentle conversation okay awesome as you're having that conversation Joff 
you notice um, as you're looking around the room at people kind of watching people are some people are losing interest, believe it or not. I mean, here this ancient being um, from a long lost civilization has just woken up and people are going back to their drinks and their food. You see that Savar, the village chief, is still eyeing you guys. Uh, and uh, you also see that the old um, tattooist uh, Maeve, the diviner of the Stormfist clan, is watching you as well. And it seems like if you were to judge, you'd say that Savar is looking at you um, kind of with uh, uh, warily, whereas Maeve is looking at you guys with um, with a lot more interest than anybody else is in this room. Okay. And Nari, your dad is, he's kind of sitting where you left him, just kind of watching everything, but he's, he's eating as well. He seems to have not been as interested in this whole situation as, as you guys are. That checks out. <laughs> Looks like we're going to get to keep the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the next thing that Savard does, the village chief, she stands up and she says, that beast is your responsibility now. I want nothing more to do with it. And she kind of waves you off as you guys are the only ones showing interest in this, um, in this Ormac, in Hermine. Uh, no worries. We'll, we'll take care of it. Thank you. Okay. And then Savar gets up out of her chair. That uh, warrior who was standing next to her follows her um, to like a, uh, it's not like a staircase. It's like kind of one of those ladder staircases. Um, so it's a very steep staircase, but she actually goes up uh, a, a ladder up to like a second floor that you guys can't see. Um, and now left in this room, you have Yostin is still there. He's eating, watching things very um, um, uncomfortably. Dorgar is there. Your father is watching. Maeve is sitting there um, very interested with uh, Garum, her her living, living canvas. Jaff will grab Nari's attention and say, the tattooist lady is, has been watching us fairly carefully. I think she might know the most of anybody. We can try to get more answers from her, but she's been pretty evasive so far. Is she the one that gave you the tattoo that broke? Yes, and I vaguely mentioned it, and she seemed to have no idea what I was talking about, so I'm not sure how reliable she will be. As you guys are talking about this, you see that she actually stands up and she heads towards the door, followed by Garam. And as she gets to the door, she turns back towards your group and she gives you guys a little wave towards her. And then she walks out the door. We should probably follow that. That was pretty, pretty clear. <laughs> she drops breadcrumbs for you to follow along the way as well. <laughs> here, party. Here, boy. Here, boy. <laughs> if we're going to be leaving... Nari, can you help um, carry... Her name's Hermine. Can you help carry her? She's... Uh, I don't think she's able to walk under her own power yet. She actually tries to stand back up. She says, I... I feel... I feel better. And she looks at Abby and she says, Thank you for what you did. Of course. Of course. Hermine, there are not many of us who are awakened. Many of us have been enslaved. And so there may be a lot of work ahead of us to try to take care of one another. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. Don't worry about this, but you and I might have to uh, hook up to save the uh, <laughs> robot race. We're the last alive. <laughs> we have to. No, she, she just seems overwhelmed by what you just said. 
like she she's having a hard time comprehending anything at this point. Um, and so she's just kind of standing there waiting for you guys to lead her somewhere. Don't worry, I mean, you have allies. Ebby, did anyone teach you Almerian? How did you learn it? I don't know. Uh, if It's as though I woke up understanding and comprehending the language myself. Not unlike Hermine here as well. But I had no recollection of the past, and as we could tell, Alil was not immediately on my known to me. It, it took some familiarity first, looking through the books before I could, could gain that knowledge back. Well, yeah, she remembers her name and her former profession as well. We were just talking about how you're, you're not quite sure what, what yours was before in the old times. Yes, exactly. I, I don't, I don't recall very well. I'm hope I'm hopeful that if she knows Arnium Celidar, perhaps she'll know the names of some of the individuals that assisted him, and maybe one of those names will be mine. Well, let's let's not keep this Mave Lady waiting. Find out that your your name used to be Darth Revan. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember? Do you guys oh, get yeah. that joke? Oh yeah, oh, fantastic oh, game. <laughs> they just re released it on the Switch. I'm thinking of picking it up and playing through it again. Sorry, Paul. You may need to erase some of those notes. That was that was uh, <laughs> that used um, uh, the uh, basically D and D three point five rules for the game engine. Yeah, yeah. Actually, oh yeah. All right, awesome. So you guys um, start to leave the tower. Dorgar uh, stands up, um, and as you're leaving to you, Nari, he says, "I'll speak with your mother. There will be a place for you tonight. Just give me some time to talk to her." Don't worry about it. Uh, we've been staying in the tents for a minute. We can definitely stay in them for one more night. You, you work it out with her, and we'll talk tomorrow. He uh, leans forward and gives you a, a kiss on your forehead. Pam will call out and say, Come on, Yostin, let's blow this popsicle stand. Oh my god. As soon as you guys walk out of the tower, Yostin goes like, That is the most uncomfortable I have ever been in my entire life. Really? I, th I thought everything was going so well. You can see he's like visibly sweating. Really? Okay. I should probably learn Astronian. <laughs> you get the impression it's not so much necessarily even what was being said. It's being a tall heart in the Stormfist like leader's tower eating food with them when things have been so strained. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so Nari, you would know, you can see her moving along through the, uh, through the village. Um, you know where, um, Maeve's house is though. So you could get, you could even get there, um, even if you weren't following her, but on the West side of the town, um, I think last time I described, there are two streams that come together and they kind of come to a point where they, where they merge and then they head South out down through, out of this Valley. And so the, the village is kind of split into three parts. The biggest part is kind of the northern part where like Nari's family lives. That's where the cave is. That's where like the leader's tower is. That's also where like the hall of like um, hall of the gods is. And then there's two smaller sections that are kind of um, on the other sides of these streams. Maeve's home is on the western side, um, kind of tucked up against the mountains right along the stream as it comes out of the hills, out of the mountains on the west side. Um, and it's this it's a little bit larger than the other houses um, around it, but it's still an, an old kind of like 
Viking hut style of a house. Um, and you see her and Garum are um, going over towards this house. Oh, by the way, in case I didn't mention it, all of these people are very tall. Much taller than everybody except for, um, except for Nari. As we're walking over, I'll say to the group, Magister Colbury's here. He, he pulled me aside a minute ago, and he wants to get in the cave. What? what? Colbury, how did he get here? We'll have time to, to ask him questions when he meets us inside. You, you trust him? I don't trust him, but I think that if he's more open with us, maybe we can uh, learn a thing or two from him. Well, and Ebby already wanted to go into the cave to um, explore, so we might as well. He said there are strings he needs to pull in that cave. Him and his strings. Manipulation. He needs to let people in. Yeah. I may have a mind to trust him if he'd actually be open with us. I agree, but we'll see what happens. I told him to follow us through. Well, he's able to turn himself invisible. So follow us through into the cave and meet with us inside. As soon as you say he's able to turn himself invisible, Pine will look around and he's like, Did you hear that, Colby? I don't trust you. Be honest with us. (laughs) And then keep walking. If you want to follow where he's at, just look for the footsteps in the snow where nobody's standing. Hmm. That's when he was carrying you. (laughs) you guys follow this path this path has like been worn down it it almost looks like somebody may go through with like some kind of a magical means like maybe a bonfire type of a cantrip or something and kind of melt the snow to make these paths because it's almost like you know if you, when you go up to the mountain and like um the snow plows have been going through and like it's snow on either side like piled up high it's getting to that point where now the snow is like waist high except for these paths that go kind of amongst the houses. And you follow Maeve and Garum into this, this home, this kind of older, um, older home. And as you, uh, as you approach the front door, there is no front door. There is just some like furs and leather that's, uh, that's hanging down in front of the doorway. And um, you can almost smell um, coming out of the, uh, out of the uh, house, some kind of like burning incense and, other smells of like of fire and warmth and spice coming from from outside of the or from the inside of the house. Are you guys going to go all go in? Oh yeah, it, it's cold out here, of course. Yeah, Nari will for sure be going in. As you guys walk in, you see this house is basically one big chamber, okay? So there is a fire pit in the middle um to warm up the 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 building. And then there is, you can see off to one side, there's a place for like uh, food and there's a, a couple of bedrolls in one corner, like a, not bedrolls, there's beds basically. Um, and you can see that at one end, there is this, there is this bench. There's a bench and there is a stool. And um, as you guys walk in, you can see that Garum has already taken his spot sitting on the stool and Maeve sits on the bench um, kind of behind him. He's sitting down on this stool and she is basically facing his shoulder. And as you walk in, she motions you over. Come. Come, I must show you something. Is this still an Australian? Uh, yes. Okay. Nari will walk clo- closer. Pine will follow Nari. Hermine is there too. She's just kind of in a daze a little bit. 
that she's following. Ebby is Ebby is very much kind of like a mother hen right now to Hermine, like just trying to take care of her and like lay a reassuring hand on on her arm or shoulder, you know, and just trying to make sure she's she feels comforted and not alone. Yeah, one thing you did notice is as you were moving from house to house, um, she got cold when she was outside. Like she definitely felt the cold. So she actually goes over by the fire and, and actually sits down by the fire to, to keep herself warm. So as you approach Maeve, Maeve looks at you, Nari, and says, I understand you have questions, and I might have some answers for you. Come, look at this. And she points to Garum's right shoulder. And on his shoulder, you see this tattoo. And this tattoo, um, it is, it looks like um, there is this silhouette, this human shaped silhouette it's crude is the wrong word it's just not detailed this uh simple silhouette and above the silhouette there is a circle that is broken right it doesn't connect all the way next to it you see a round shield and it is separated into eight segments now this is all done in um black ink there's no color as you're looking at Garum, you do see there are places where there's little splashes of color, but for the most part, everything is done in black ink. Sometimes there's blue ink, that kind of thing. But usually it's just, it's just a monochrome type of a tattoo. You see this shield that's separated into eight segments, and it is surrounded by leaves. And then above the crown, or above the, the shield, you see a crown, and then if you have the silhouette with the broken circle on the left, on the right side, you see a, it looks like a crook, like a shepherd's crook. Um, and then um, further on, you see that there is um, that same simple silhouette um, standing beneath a mountain. So there's like a mountain shape and then there's this silhouette standing underneath it. Off of this silhouette is wavy lines like emanating off it, like almost like, um, power or glory or light coming off of this silhouette not stink lines not not stink lines no and they're not they're not wavy and there's nobody holding their nose or anything like that and as you're looking at this um this tattoo that uh she's indicating um even though he's covered in tattoos you can just somehow tell that this is all kind of one scene and off to the side still in the scene you see another silhouette, but it's hunched over and in the process of sneaking. Nari will kind of take off her her outerwear and just kind of hold out her arm um, for her to see. As you are um, as you are disrobing, she is explaining the tattoos. She says, "I don't understand all of these tattoos, but see here this." This figure with this broken band, and again down here beneath the mountain, this figure with the broken band will will bring glory to the Stormfist tribe. And this shield, I mean, this shield, I'm sure some of our warriors use shields a lot like this. And of course, the the leaves, it's it's autumn now. And she stops as she sees your arm. I'll also kind of gesture to have um, Pine and everybody else gather around so they can kind of see what's going on. 
she puts her finger on your tattoo, the one that has shattered, the one that has kind of spider webbed and broken. And she says, broken band. And she sits back and she says, huh. Seeing the shield, Pine will start fishing through the, the haversack to find the crystal shield. She sits back and she says, a broken band. A storm fist, but the wrong storm fist. And about that time, you proceed to get the crystal shield out of the haversack. Joff will say, yeah, I don't think it was a, a leather cord that broke. She nods. Pine will hold the crystal shield in one hand and tap it with his cane, the crook part of his cane, like, <laughs> and like a little, like, that's me. With his cane, like, <laughs> and then also gesturing at the little uh, shepherd's crook that's uh, on the, yeah. <laughs> and then he'll do a little tap dance with his cane. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that. She, um, she actually starts to sit up straighter. And she has kind of, she doesn't have like cataracts, but she kind of has a little bit of a cloudy look to her, to her face, uh, like to her eyes. They seem to get clearer, clearer. And she says, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. The, the prophecy was right. My interpretation was wrong. And then she looks at Yunari and she says, Tazar. Tazar is in danger. What did you what did you send him into? She points to the figure, the silhouette of the on the tattoo, and she points to the one down below the mountain, and you can see it's the same figure. And she says, I sent Tazar into the mountain to bring back glory for the Stormfist clan. But it's not Tazar. And then she points at you, Nari, and she says, It's you. I want everyone to make uh, perception checks as you are looking at Maeve and Garum, this guy covered in tattoos. Uh, Nari got a 19. Joff got a 20. Ebby got a 10. Pine got an 11. Pine's skill checks are so mediocre. Yeah, you know, it's all good. It'll, all, it'll come around. It'll, it'll even out at some point. Um, okay, Joff and Nari, as you are listening to, to her talk and explain these tattoos, you can't help but um, kind of glance over this man, Garum, and his body and all the tattoos on it. And you see some interesting tattoos. One thing you do notice that um, on his back, kind of between his shoulder blades, there is a big open space right between the shoulder blades that is completely bare. No tattoo there. But you see other tattoos. Some of the tattoos that you see, you see that there are seven swords with their tips stuck in the ground and they are all, like there's a chain connecting each one. So seven swords that are chained together. You see, remember how I told you there's not very much color, but every once in a while there is some color. You see a green eye that's broken into pieces and there's one piece of the eye that's slightly dislodged and like it's broken, but it's all still kind of together. Except there's one piece that's kind of off to the side further away. Um, you see that there are five spirals that surround a six pointed star. Um, you see that there is a like a bird's claw that is clutching a crown. You see a fox that has kind of 
it's kind of laying down and its body is making a circle. And inside of that circle, there is a bird. You see two cats. One of them has wings and is hissing and swatting at the other cat, which is cowering. You see a wolf that is howling while it stands over the dead body of another wolf. And then you see a series of tattoos. You see a sword of flame. You see an open book with a sword-shaped bookmark. You see an axe that has two horns behind it. You see a red orb, and you see a dagger on a pillow. And you can tell these are all um, together because it kind of makes this semi-circle arch um, in one place. Why don't we have, since the two of you saw all those tattoos, Joff and Nari, make perception checks. Let's do difficulty 15. I'm really interested in what tattoos he's got on his buttocks. <laughs> Same, though. Uh, Nari got a 27. Oh, fantastic. Jeff got an 8 and then tried to have uh, Squire help out and only added 1. <laughs> That's like the lowest you can roll, yeah, right? Yeah, I rolled two ones. <laughs> Oh, brutal. All right. Um, so, Joff, you're just kind of fascinated with all these different tattoos, kind of wondering what in the world could they all mean? That last tattoo that I described it with all those symbols, Nari, as you're looking at it, you recognize the axe with the two horns behind it. You literally are holding that axe. Well, it's on your back right now. The axe on the tattoo is the same shape as the adjudicator's axe that you got in Arkelvy. And as you look at the other tattoos, you see a flame, a, a sword that is um, a flame as well, which with your 27 perception looks surprisingly like um, Adjudicator Rolf's sword when you fought him way back in Tabory. I'll kind of point that out to everybody, too, so they all kind of are aware of that similarity. Are these the symbols of the adjudicators? That's what it appears to be. Looks like we've crossed two off the list. <laughs> nice. Oh, you and your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you and your work colleagues can take care of the rest of them. <laughs> Acquaintances. <laughs> Have you been reading my journal? <laughs> Dear diary, I'm no longer friends with them. <laughs> Apparently, Mr. Pine is reading you. <laughs> All that was out of character. Of course. As you guys are sitting there um, kind of listening to Maeve, Maeve points to these tattoos, not the ones that we were just talking about, but the ones on the shoulder, the ones about this most recent prophecy about finding glory and the power of the Stormfist clan and how it's all here in this cave under the mountain. And she turns to you, Nari, and she says, I sent your brother into the cave. He is in danger. It is you. And she looks at the other four of you, or the other three of you, and says, and the three of you, it's you. It was not Thizar. And then she looks you in the square in the eye, Nari, and says, you have to go save your brother. And that's where we're going to end for tonight. <laughs> nice. Whoa. Before we end, though, I was going to say, because the, the, the shield had leaves around it, that's what you said? Yes. 
Okay, I'm going to actually, um, seeing that, I'm going to kind of just hand the haversack over to Ebby. Okay. Ooh, okay. So now you can be in possession of that shield at all times. Why, thank you. Well, very good. Well, hey, guys, hopefully that answered some questions, and hopefully it made a few more. I want to make sure that this podcast does not turn out like Lost, where... We keep asking lots of questions and never answer any of them. I feel like things are going pretty well. You guys are figuring some stuff out. We know we know why the polar bears were on the island. <laughs> That's about the only thing they ever answered. <sighs> anyway. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for playing. And like we always say, if you like what we're doing, go tell somebody. I'm sure somebody else will like it, too. I like it. <laughs> My mom thinks it's cool. Until we get together. I hope you guys all have a great night and have a really good time.